Hey there, and welcome to the Heart of a Mill Spouse podcast, where we focus on re-sparking your inner purpose using empowered action and personal growth tools. I'm Jayla Ray Ardeline, your host and late career Army Mill Spouse. I joined this lifestyle later in life and the learning curve was gigantic. Since the day I said yes to this relationship over five years ago, I've been collecting and curating personal growth tools to support you. So excited you've tuned in. Hey there. So today's episode is with Kayla Lyon. Kayla is a Navy veteran, Marine wife, mom to three kids under four, and a certified life coach. She helps military spouses love this crazy life now instead of just counting down to retirement. Her unique perspective of both the service member and the spouse, combined with her training and experience as a certified life coach, allows her to understand where her clients are stuck and help them actually get to where they want to go. No sheer willpower and intense discipline required. I'm dropping you right into the heart of our conversation. Can't wait for you to tune in. Yeah, I think that's like, I mean, I think that's like the most, like the number one thing, right? It's just realizing that like it sucks sometimes and it's okay and like nothing's gone wrong, you know? Yeah, yeah it's not you. Yeah. Like you're not right? doing it wrong. Yeah. It's just that <laughs> it's trying to like readjust as, I don't know, as unfortunate events are also happening during the deployment. I think that's the yeah. thing that has really caught me not caught me off guard during this deployment, but it's made it difficult to, um, I don't know, to ground myself. Um, and it's just been, yeah, it's just been tough. This is my first, I don't know if you know, this is my first deployment. It's probably my only deployment based on what my That's husband good. does. Yeah. So it's. Um, well, and you're, this one's pretty long, right? Is how long is he, is he, this is, is this a year? Yeah. yeah that's, yeah. that's a thing. Like that's a long that's time. That's a thing, right? That's a, that's yeah. a different thing than six or three months or um, yeah. even nine months. Um, yeah. There is a chance that it could get shortened by two months because we're PCSing this year. And that timeline is going to kind of like take precedence. Over okay, that's good. Which is great news. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't want to get to like, I don't. I was going to say, don't, that. don't, yeah, don't <laughs> hang on that. Keep the 12 months in your head for sure. And then. Right. Does that be a pleasant surprise instead of a terrible letdown? Yeah. Don't get attached to the, to the earliness for sure. I know. And I, I keep telling him the same thing and he's like, no, it's, it's, it's going to happen. And I'm just like, how are you on that page after 17 years? Of, right. You know, it's like, this is what we call like, jinxing it. Like, let's not jinx it. <laughs> I know even me just telling you right now, Kayla, where I'm like, oh, it might get shortened. I feel weird saying that because I'm like, yeah. Uh, there's a chance you. that this, this won't get shortened. And if it doesn't get right. shortened, like I'll be fine. I'll be fine with that too. But it's just, it's really the PCS timeline that feels the most confusing yeah. right now and how to overlap yeah. that. Um, That's actually, I, we had a very similar, sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say, we had a very similar experience with um, my husband's last deployment. We, we moved this summer from California to DC and we were not supposed to. We were 18 months into three-year tour. And I had my third baby on July 6th. And he called me in January. He was, it was supposed to be a six month deployment with like maybe like an extra week or two. And he called me in January and was like, Hey, we're moving this summer. And I was like, excuse me. And it was, and I was like, and his CEO was like, is there any reason why he can't move this summer? He was like, well, my, my wife's going to have a baby in July. And I was like, we can go in like May or May. Like we can't like July's obviously off the table. Like June's off the table. I was like, I can't and I've got two other ones, right? I was like, I can't, I was like, August is off the table. Like I'm going to barely be functioning. I was like, we need to go in May, but he was not supposed to get home until like mid end of May, like third week of May. And so I was like, this is not a problem. We're going to, I'll just, I'll just, we'll just do it. And the moment he gets home, we'll pack. Cause then I was like, I could even do the pack out without him. I was like, actually I can't because I've got two kids and I'm going to be super pregnant. Like we can't fit his deployment stuff in the car for our drive. I was like, so I have to wait till, but then I'm like, one of our other buddies is probably coming to DC here. So we can always throw his stuff in his pack out and just get it later. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's like, I'm immediately, I was like, it's fine. He'll land. Right, we're going to get in the car right there. and we'll go. <laughs> right. And then like his CO just again, like all just within like big Marine Corps, it didn't, but just within the unit, like his CO sent him home a couple weeks early with like the advance party that he, he wouldn't have been on. Cause he didn't go out advance so he wound up coming home like 
three weeks early to get all of his orders and it like to, to help me in because he knew I was like super pregnant and like all this stuff. So that was a wonderful, wonderful surprise. But I like, same thing. Like he was like, okay, it looks like Whitey's trying to send me home early. I was like, I am not taking that to the bank until you get off the plane, <laughs> like here in the exactly. States because, right. So that was a wonderful surprise, which normally I feel like it goes in the other direction, but yeah, I'm like, okay. And then his family's like, oh, well, he's going to come home early to like help you move. Right. And I'm like, no, like, no. that's not how this works. That's right. That's not like, how it works. That's not yeah. how it works. And I think I've already kind of gotten that same question, maybe not phrased the same way, but no, um, we have a house to sell. We have, um, a car to replace. We have a car to sell. Um, we have, an extremely long list of things that need to be done that are probably 70% of it is going to fall on me because it will all have to be done mostly before he gets home. And I, I've never done it that way before. This will be my first time where it's, you know, the responsibility is not split. It's not even, it doesn't feel like a shared playing field. It feels like, Oh crap, these are all your responsibilities. Yeah. You must adhere to them and uphold to them because like, what can he do? He's in the middle of a desert. Like, you know, like he can't even yep. make the phone calls. Like, yep. So, yep. Chris was on a ship in the middle of the ocean. I was like, I bought a new, I bought yeah. us a house here, like sight unseen. And I was like, okay, this is what I'm thinking. I was like, I'm about to spend like 650 grand. Like I would really appreciate if you gave, if you weighed in, but ultimately like I got to do what I got to do. And like, you're just going to have to be happy because I get like, you know, one email a day. Like if I'm lucky and he like, can't open like, like Zillow links because they don't have enough bandwidth on the ship. Like I feel you, I feel you so hard. Well, luckily, and I have to clarify this with, because anytime I have a conversation with someone about this deployment, I have to tell them like, I have a lot more privileges. And I realize that with this deployment than others have had, because this is not a combat deployment. It's not like he, goes dark for like days on end or weeks on end. And I can't talk to him. Like we have like a lot of texting, we get to video conference regularly and use WhatsApp. So it's, but that doesn't, but it still comes down to the phone. It doesn't part, lessen right? like the, it doesn't lessen the hardness, like just because it's like a different or easier, or like you have kids or you don't, or like it's combat deployment or not, or you can talk or you can't like, just because like you might think that like somebody else's experience is harder. Like it doesn't lessen the shittiness for you you know okay, so well, like don't you. like I would say the is, same thing to other people but like <laughs> right I can't apply that to myself all the time I'm always trying to find a way to make this like you know it's not as hard for me as it you're has allowed to be sad people. oh yeah I'm devastated like <laughs> I mean I'm on I'm going on month seven so my mindset has completely changed and I'm grateful for that but oh my heavens those first three four months were dark times they were dark times and yeah I just could not I I was having a really hard time pulling myself out of that and now that I look back on it because it's there's like a few months of distance in between like the dark time and the okay time um I see that I refused to pull myself out of it, um, for a little while there, like I kept myself stuck and I think that's fine. If you're out there, I was going to say, but also like, it's it's part of it, right? Like that's part of like the experience you have to have to, I mean, I did exactly that with my second, I had, um, it was a pretty mild case, but I wound up being diagnosed with postpartum depression after my second. And it was like, I didn't see it until like my mom finally like caught me crying in the bathroom and was like, Hey, like how are we doing? Yeah. Because it was like more than just like the normalness. Right. And so I finally was like, oh yeah. And like, looking back, I was like, oh yeah, no, I definitely needed some help. But you just like, you don't right. realize it when you're in it, you know, cause it's like right here. Right. Right. Yeah. That was, that was tough for me. I mean, I was, I was also trying to, um, get access to therapy and like trying to take care of myself. But I mean, <laughs> I think in an earlier episode, I was like, yeah, everybody used doctor on demand because it's so easy to do it through TRICARE. And it was like, the setup was so easy. And then That's I good. had technical complications with it for like two months. So oh, I didn't God, get really? any therapy for like two months and oh, I'm not going to go into why or what happened, but it was just, it was very disappointing because I absolutely needed it. And I didn't actually get it at the time that I really, really needed it. And it's okay. We can't change it. Can't go back. It's how it happened. Um, 
I, I still am a proponent for others out there to try Dr. Dawn Demand if that's like a, a thing that you want to do. Um, but just know that like it's it's also a platform and a system and it can glitch at any time. And that's yep. one of the disappointing things about trying to do that virtually because there is no there's no in-person, there's no, you know, recovery of like, oh, let's try again in an hour. No, that's not what happens. It's like, okay, yeah. you have to wait another two weeks or another month or something. Yeah. So. That's rough. I know. I'm sorry. Yeah. But any, any who, any who, um, so tell me a little bit more about you, about your history. Um, you are a veteran yourself and like, let, just tell me some things. Um, yeah. So my husband and I both went to the Naval Academy in Annapolis. Um, he was, he's a couple years senior to me. Um, we knew each other from there. And then like seven years later, we were just happened to be stationed. Um, we were both stationed on Oahu and so we like ran into each other. And then that's kind of like where our story starts together. Um, and yeah, we were co-located. I was at Pearl Harbor. He was at the Kaneohe Bay at the Marine Corps base in Oahu. And we were supposed to be, um, there for at least another year past when we were, and we were both saying like we were married and, you know, so they tried to keep us together and all that. And then the Marine Corps said, oh no, you're going to Quantico, Virginia, which is as far away as you can get from Hawaii and stay in the United States. <laughs> so um, that's when I got out. And then I was a reservist for another, so I was active duty for about six and a half years. Um, I was a ship driver and um, he's a helicopter pilot in the Marine Corps. And then, um, yeah, so he went to Quantico and then I got out and I was a reservist for another four years at the Pentagon. And then it just got a point when he got orders to California, like it just, I couldn't get there from here. Like at that point I had two small kids and it was just drilling was just, it, the juice wasn't worth the squeeze anymore. Um, so I got all the way out after 10 and a half years total. Um, and then we were in California for 18 months instead of three years. Now we're back in the, we live in Maryland, um, but he's in the Pentagon in DC. Uh, so that's, that's my personal life, I guess. Um, and it's interesting, like one of the things that I'll, I'll probably definitely share, like from the veteran perspective, it's like some, it's like a blessing and a curse, right? Cause like, sometimes I know I can, I can relate to him really well. I know what he's dealing with at work. Like I, he doesn't have to explain as much to me. Like we were in different services, but I, you know, like there's a lot of the foundational knowledge is there for sure. Um, and that's really helpful, but also like I was a warship driver and I landed helos on my ship, like clockwork all the time. And I know the inherent was <laughs> I get all flushed just thinking about it. When it was me, it was different because it was me. And I also never deployed with kids. Um, so we've all, he's only deployed since we've had kids. Um, but I am very intimately familiar with the inherent risks of doing flight operations at sea. And he was out for two months doing that every single day. And as soon as it, we hit the like, about like the 24 hour mark that I had it heard, because I told him, I was like, look, I, I know exactly what you're doing because it was my job for five years, right? Like I'm very intimately familiar with it. And I know that it's probably, you're just busy or like comms are down or whatever. I was like, but I need you to please do what you can to send me an email with like, even just like a period or even like, just like the subject line, at least once a day, just so I know everything's okay still, because if it's something happens, it's good. You know what I mean? It's, it's the whole yeah. thing. And it's like, yeah. so like having that knowledge of what he was doing and the inherent dangers of it made it way worse for me to like manage my own mind about it. Right. Because it's like, that's kind of, it's kind of like the blissful ignorance part. It's like, oh, like, you know, he does this stuff, but I had a very intimate knowledge right. of what he was doing and it was, it worked against me because I was, and plus I was pregnant. So that wasn't helpful either because, oh, you well, know, hormones. Well, hi, right? hi. Right? So I was like, <laughs> so that kind of like compounded and I would just like lay in bed and I would just like talk myself. I'm like, he's busy. He's fine. Like there was once that like the weather was bad. And so they had to divert to another ship. And so he doesn't have like an email account. He like couldn't get on his email over there. And like, everything was fine. But like my brain immediately goes to this other terrible place. And I'm like, no, no, no. These are all of the reasons that he's fine and I haven't heard from him. And I would like sit there and like just lay in bed and list off like 10 of them. I'm like, nope, that's that's definitely it. Like he's totally fine. And then sure enough, so, like the next morning or like two days later, yeah. he would I would get an email and he's like, sorry, this happened, everything's fine. And I'm like, but it's just, it's rough, right? And so it's just that, it's like that balance um, of trying to not lose yeah. your, com like completely lose your mind. Oh yeah, so, absolutely. But I love yeah, what you just said that you, you would imagine all the reasons why he was fine instead of the opposite of him not being fine and imagining all of those scenarios. Do I wouldn't have survived if that? I didn't do that. <laughs> right. I don't think that's what well, we that's do. also 
but that's also the work that I do now, like as a life coach, like that's like everything that you were just talking about, about like what you're working through, like that is exactly why I have a job and why I work specifically with male spouses, because I do have like this unique, and I know like, I'm not the only like active duty and veteran and like spouse, like there's actually a ton of me, but, um, I do have like a little bit more of a unique perspective from both sides. And then my coaching, like education and background as well, helps me like exactly everything that you were dealing with. Like that's, that's exactly what I do. Right. Um, and it also is very helpful to be able to do that for myself. But then I also have a lot of colleagues who I can call and be like, Hey, I need you to coach me off a ledge right now because I can't do like, I'm too in it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's why like my coach is wonderful. And like, even just my friends who I can call for that exact reason, because I'm like, I'm in it right now. And I can't, I can't get myself out by myself. Like you got to pull me out. Coaches yeah. need coaches, therapists need therapists, 100%. we're all human, like we all need yes. this level of support that we also provide to others. In fact, 100%. sometimes we need support from others in order to continue providing support to others. <laughs> so a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah, because exactly like at the end of the day, like I'm still a human and I still have a human brain and my brain yeah. likes to do all of the garbage that your brain likes to do. <laughs> Right. We all have the same, the same issues going on up there of like hundred percent imagining the worst and just assuming, assuming that that must be what's happening or yeah, going down a very long list of what ifs constantly on a constant basis. So no, we're totally, we're totally on the same page. (laughs) So it sounds like uh, your kids are under four. So you're like a relatively newer mom. So like at what point in his career, I guess, did you guys start having kids? It sounds like the deployments didn't come till pregnancy. Right. But that was your second. I, so we moved to DC in, I got there at the very end of 15 and that's when I left active duty. He got there like earlier, he like mm-hmm. summer of 15. Um, my daughter was born September of 17. So I had like a two year, I was a reservist and I was trying to figure out like what the heck I was going to do with my life civilian. And I had like major identity crisis. It was a whole thing and blah, 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 blah. And that's like the very like windy road is like how I wound up being a coach. Um, Yeah. My daughter is September of 17. My son is May of 19 and we moved to California in September of 19. So we we, yeah, when my son was born at the end of May, we went to, and he was at, so when he was, when we were in Virginia, when, when my oldest two were born, he was with HMX, which is the presidential helicopter squadron. So it wasn't, he was flying, but it wasn't like combat flying. Like for him, it was like driving a car flying. Like it was pretty low key, but he traveled with the president. So like anything past like 24 hours, I couldn't depend on him. Like his schedule was just freaking bananas. Like I never, and so it got to the point and thankfully, like we were like an hour from my family um, in Annapolis, we were in Northern Virginia. And so that was very helpful because I like kind of had not like drop of a hat, but like I could kind of, you know, had a little bit of support there. Um, but my, yeah, he was, his schedule was just not his own at all. So that was rough just from like a lifestyle kind of perspective. Um, so he was gone a lot, but it would be for like a week or two at a time. So it was just like a different, it's funny because by the time we were done with that four years, I was so ready to go back to the fleet for like, I'm going to be gone for two months for this training exercise. And I'm going to be gone for three weeks for this training exercise. And I'm going to deploy for six months. Like I was looking forward to that. And and I said to him very specifically, I was like, we're going to get back to the fleet and I'm going to be over it and it's going to suck. I was like, but right now I'm so ready for that because just the constant churn and like unpredictability of his schedule was just after four years, I was like, I'm done now. Um, Yeah. I mean, yeah, so I had my two... Yeah. So it was crazy. It's like, what do you, what? <laughs> yeah. We couldn't plan. I like, it finally got to the point. I was like, look, like, I'm just going to plan our lives. And like, if you can come great. And if you can't fine, like there was just nothing else that yeah. I could do. I mean, it was fine. Like, and we figured it out and it was fine, but it was, that was, that was rough after a while. Um, and yeah, so my son was born in May. We moved out of our house in July. Like, two, yeah, he was like not even two months. And we spent like a month with my mom just because our renters, it was a whole like because we were supposed to leave earlier and then the Marine Corps changed his mind. It was like that whole thing. So our renters moved in. We stayed with my mom. We moved to California in September of 19. Then the world shut down in what, March of 2020, right? And so through all of 2020, he had like three different, like two month training trips. Um, 
just to like the desert in California, like just random places. Like it was only like two, three, four hours away, but he was gone. Um, so then not like deployment, but like just the whole like work up to deployment. And then he deployed in November of 20. And I was, he like knocked me up and left, which was the plan. And I told him, I was like, in four months, this is, I'm going to think this is a terrible idea. Like right now, this is a good idea, but in four months, I'm going to freaking hate you. And all that came yeah. true. Like I knew that I, I was like, I know that this is how this is going to go. And it did. And it was fine. Um, and then he got <laughs> home. He came home a little bit early. He got sent home in April because then we moved in May 21. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just this last May. Just last year. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So I had my daughter was three and a half. My son was one and a half. No, my daughter had just turned three. My son was one and a half and I was pregnant when he deployed. Dang. Oh my gosh. What a journey. Like, how do you even yeah. remember all of that? I was like, I'm really impressed. She's like rattling off years and months. And well, it's still pretty fresh, but like when I have to like call the pediatrician to make an appointment and they want to like, want to know my oh. kid's birthday, I have to, it's like a very awkwardly long pause. Cause I have to really remember which numbers go to which kid. And they're like, looking at me, I'm like, no, no, no. I've got three children and I don't know any of their birthdays. Yeah. I don't even know the zip code that I need at the gas station half the time. So like, right? how am I supposed to remember these super important things? Right. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I totally get it. And that's so funny that he, you say that he knocked you up and then he left because we've also made those similar considerations. Um, hey, male spouse, I interrupt this episode to ask you a really important question. If you have a deployed spouse, I wonder what it would look like for you if you could get support on this journey now instead of shoving your needs down for the 50th time. If you already know you need something like this, I have a deployment support kit for you. Head on over to jlaray.com forward slash deployment kit to grab your free resources created just for you to help you establish a routine while your spouse is deployed. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you about how to establish a routine, but I am going to tell you about how to get more emotional support in your life. So head on over to jlaray.com forward slash deployment kit, and I'll include it in the show notes as well. Um, so I have stepchildren, they live with their mom in a different state, and they're actually going to be coming with us for this PCS, at least for a year out of the three. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So it's, it's really exciting because um, they've stayed with us for extended periods of time, but We've never been, you know, hundred percent like responsible for that. Yeah. We've been together, but I mean, I was supposed to like, Texas was supposed to be the place that we were supposed to have a baby. Like that was our, that was our plan. And, and we're here. And where now. are you now? Are you in Texas now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. So we're in San Antonio. Okay. We got here in the okay. summer of 2019. Oh, good. I can rattle off a date too. Okay. See? You got this. <laughs> yeah. So we got here in the summer of 2019. We came here from New York, uh, from New York City. Okay. And, um, this was, it was really cool because since we had met, we had had a bunch of stuff in storage in and out of storage because we were living in such small apartments and then overseas and back in the States. Um, but when we came to Texas, we're like, okay, hey, we're going to buy a home. And, uh, Jeremy has purchased homes in the past before, but I have never done that. So this was our first time together like, you know, buying a home. And then we pulled all of our stuff out of storage. We have everything in one house. We have a five bedroom house. This is so crazy. Right. And we were just like, Oh, this is the, this is the time to have a baby because we knew we were going to be here for two to three years. And it's so like stable here. Right. And then at some point or another in 2020, it became very clear that like, I'm not, you're not putting a baby in me right now because this is so, the world is so unstable. And I was just watching like, you know, other mothers experience pregnancy, especially at the height of the pandemic during 2020, when it was just so scary and there were so many unknowns, nobody was. Yeah. It was like, everything was really happening. new. Yeah. yeah. And like people could like their husbands couldn't come with them in the delivery room and like, I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing any of this. We're, we're, we're holding, we're holding for right now. And, and then we're going to figure it out. And then, you know, we, we were all kind of like, oh, so this is going to happen for a while. Like we're going to be doing this for a while. And we kind of just like missed the window. I, I feel like we kind of just like missed the window of opportunity. And then he deployed 
So I was like, which, and where is he deployed to? He's in Iraq. Yeah. Okay. Okay. He's way over there. He's way over there. And (laughs) I, oh, oh my gosh, I have considered, and my army friends have joked with me that like, he, so he comes home for R&R in March. So like soon. Oh, that's I mean, good. Yeah. By the time this episode comes out, we're probably going to be like two weeks away from, <laughs> from him coming home for three Yay. weeks. And all my army friends keep joking, like, oh, you're going to have an you R&R can do it. baby. <laughs> it's a I'm thing. Like, oh. You laugh. It's I'm a thing. Like, Is this a thing? Is this a thing? I'm so, I'm terrified because then that also means PCSing while I'm pregnant. And I'm, I know you did it. People do it, but it, it like literally terrifies me. I'm like, this feels so destabilizing, especially like getting to a new place and needing to establish care while you're pregnant. And what if you have a complication? What if something goes wrong? What if you have been diagnosed with something? And then they're like, oh no, 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 you can't go there because you can't get that level of care, but you have orders to go over there. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just a very long list of what ifs. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I just want, I'm not going to like get all coachy on you, but I do just want to offer that all of those things are always possible, whether you're thinking about them or not, but also they could also not happen and it could be fine. Like we like to Laura's like tell ourselves that like everything's like stable and predictable. Like, and I don't mean just like as Mills classes, just like as humans. And it never actually is right. Like we just like assume that we're going to wake up tomorrow and we're going to wake up in 20 years and like everything's going to be fine. And none of that's actually true. And I don't want to say that to like make it worse, but for me anyway, when I kind of think about it like that, I'm like, oh yeah, like all of this could happen or none of it could happen. And I mean, I don't want, I don't want to tell you the story because I don't want to freak you out, but, um, and I know we don't have a ton of time, but I am trying to get my, my OB in California's the day before we got in the car to drive across the country, I had my last checkup and then I was due for two weeks. So those eight months, I was at like every two weeks and then going every week. And so I like had my last appointment and then we were taking two weeks. And then I was like, okay, I need to get seen as soon, but it was TRICARE West to TRICARE East. So I couldn't switch until after I had my appointment the it. day before. <laughs> so I had my appointment on a Monday, we left Tuesday morning, but that Sunday, the day before my last appointment, their entire, and this was civilian too, their entire hospital system, like enormous hospital system was cyber hacked. I didn't have my records. I couldn't get them. Have you ever tried to convince a doctor to see you without providing them with your medical record history when you're 32 weeks pregnant? Uh, Yes. Um, this actually did just happen to me recently and I'm so glad you brought it up because now I'm going to take the opportunity to vent about what happened about this thing that happened. Uh, so, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking like, oh, we still might have a baby while I'm here in Texas. And at this point, I know that's not going to happen because like we're leaving, but, um, when was this, this was next or do you just know that you're moving? What's that? Sorry. Do you know where you're going next? Or do you just know that you're moving? We do, but I don't want to say it because I don't want to jinx. No worries. We know where we're going. Okay. We're going, we're going overseas. That's what I'll say. Okay. We're going overseas. Okay. That's even more complicated than (laughs) It needs to be, but, um, yeah. So last summer I, when we were still thinking, oh, maybe I will have a baby before we leave Texas. Like I have, I have a really deep fear that I have infertility issues. We're not going to go into why or the traumatic event that led to that, but I'm still pretty convinced that it's going to be difficult for me to conceive. So I wanted to get in touch with an OBGYN or whoever that person is GYN, I guess, when you're not pregnant, I'm not sure. I don't know what the, I don't know what the term is, um, and establish care and, you know, talk through, like, do we need to do tests? What do we need to do? Blah, blah, blah. And uh, this appointment, man, this was like right after my grandma had died. And a couple months before that, my stepdad had died and I'm literally in Utah visiting my family. I stay there for a month, about a month and I work remotely so I can do things like that, which is great. Um, but this appointment is coming up and I'm nervous about it. Cause it's like my established care appointment. And I literally like, I rearrange my entire schedule to be at this appointment. I'm driving from Amarillo, Texas that morning, like just having stayed a night there to arrive at this appointment, everything is hinging on this appointment. And then they refused to see me because the office did not send over the medical records. And I didn't know this. I didn't, I didn't know. So it was a whole kit and caboodle thing. 
And then I had to reschedule the appointment, which then of course was not until a month later. And I arrived, they still didn't have my medical records, but luckily nobody asked me that on the front end. They didn't ask me till I was checked in until I was behind the scenes. And then I was like, I can pull them up. I can look them up. It was a very big lesson in um, what it means to have access to your medical records at all times. I will never make that mistake again. So it's good. It happened. It happened. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. But I wasn't pregnant. I wasn't in your situation of like, oh, no, no, no. I'm like pregnant. I'm about to like pop. So I yeah, I wasn't even like newly pregnant because they're like, <laughs> well, we can't see you until we can review your record. I'm like, I understand that. I'm like, and they're like, well, can you do this? Can they fax over a, can they like fax? I'm like, I don't think you understand. They're in like, I, you couldn't even get to the homepage of their website of this like massive hospital system in Southern California. Like could not, like their website literally wouldn't even load. And I was like, you please, please try to go to their website and let me know what you come up with. Like you, I was like, I'm trying to explain it. So once they finally got that, I was like, I am 32 weeks pregnant by the time they figure this out. And then they can send, I was like, cause we didn't know. They were like, we're hoping that it's going to be solved. And we, it was like, I had been seen by the new OB like three times before I was able to get my records for them. Like it was weeks and weeks and weeks. And I was like, if I was like, you can't, you like, you can't not see me because by the time this all gets sorted and you have a chance to review my record, like I might have a child. I was like, I can always just show up to the ER and labor, but who wins in that situation? No one. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I did it like, I, I was very fortunate. So like, I have like very boring, preg- like I had two already like very boring pregnancies. Like I know that I just am fortunate to like be low risk in that, in that respect. And it wasn't my very first baby. So I was way calmer about it, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm like, I don't think you understand. And we're like driving across the country and I'm like on the phone with these people trying to explain to them the situation. I'm like, and then finally I found a doctor who was willing to just like say like, yes, you can come in and we'll see you. Um, and I think also because it wasn't my first pregnancy, like I could answer a lot of her questions, like the testing and like the results and like, all that stuff. And it, she just had to take me in my word at that point. But at least I knew like what she was talking about. Cause I was familiar with it, but yeah, I'm like, I'm like, this is like, really, this is what we're doing right now. Um, yeah. so yeah, but the other thing I just want to offer, like you always figure it out, right? Like even yeah, when it's, it's really shitty and it right. feels terrible and it's not the way you thought it was going to go. And you would never pick it for yourself. Like just by the nature of like you still being alive, like you always figure it out, even when it's like really, really shitty. And I don't know, that also brings me a lot of comfort. Cause like, like that situation was a beautiful example. I'm like, okay, what's the absolute worst case scenario here is that I like, I I'm not seen for the next eight weeks. And even if something goes wrong, like I, I will know that something's going wrong. Right. Like it's like, I'll, I'll have some sign, like I'll have some pain or something and I'll go to the hospital and I will get the care that I need. Like, even if it's not, right. you know what I mean? I was like, worst case is I walk into the, I walk into the hospital in labor and I'm like, somebody needs to deliver this baby for me. Right. So I was like, okay, like that again, not ideal, right? Like not plan. No, a, not at all. Right. But I'm like, okay, we're going to be fine though. Like ultimately we're going to be, you know, it's just, <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's really important to remember. And I, I am going to take comfort in that too. It's like, Hey, this whole PCS timeline, this whole return from deployment, this whole, this whole year, um, I have the goal of feeling prepared. Like I want to feel prepared. And also when things do not go according to plan, I will figure it out. (laughs) We will figure it out. It will be fine. And who knows, maybe the plan that we need to enact was a backup plan that we already thought through and just having that on deck and that ready to go is useful. It's helpful. It's a little bit more comforting. It's a little bit more like, oh, okay. Like we, we thought this might happen. And so here, here's scenario. Exactly. Exactly. Scenario G here's scenario K. Like, I hope we don't get down that far, but in the alphabet, but it's, it's a thing. Right. (laughs) I know. Yeah. And Jeremy always builds these like ridiculous, like in-depth spreadsheets. Like he'll, he'll build spreadsheets to make decisions, which is, it's the cutest thing. Like I, I love that about him. It annoys me. And also I just really love it about him. Um, but I think he's already started the spreadsheet and he hasn't shared it with me yet, which is kind of concerning because <laughs> I want to know what baseline we're starting with here. I don't know what right. he's thinking. 
Right. Um, and every time we've had a chance to, to connect, it's been just like little bits and pieces here and there and not yeah. full on coordination or we yeah. don't even have the orders yet. Like we're feeling pretty confident that yes, this thing is locked in because we've re- received all the signs that it is locked in, but the timeline is not locked in yet. And right. that's the piece that you're walking that, like you're chain. walking that very fine line in PCS season where you're like, this is what they're telling us. It seems credible. It mm-hmm. seems like this is definitely going to happen, mm-hmm. but we don't have the orders yet. So it's like that fine line between like do a whole bunch of stuff to set yourself up as much as you can and like hook up future you as much as you can, but also hook not you. <laughs> not like spend all of this time and then have it be for like do all this research Nothing. and figure it all out and have it be for the wrong people. Right. Right. It's like right. a very fine line that you that we have to walk as spouses. <laughs> I know. And it's only, you know, at the time of this recording, it's basically like the last day in January. So like, whoa, we have lots of months to go and this is a summer move, but we all know how fast it's like, we're going to blink an eye. And then suddenly it's July 15th and we might be showing up to this place. (laughs) So, um, yeah, it's just a lot. It's a lot to, it's a lot to consider. And I will feel very accomplished once we have handled the PCS um, during a deployment and figuring that out. I'll feel like I have another like badge, another mill spouse badge that other people We should carry. totally do badges like Girl Scouts where we just like get badges <laughs> for dealing with all of the ridiculous shit that we do. Like, why is that not a thing? <laughs> I would love that. So I have a backpack that I put like pins and stuff on. I'm very selective about my pins. I don't just buy random pins. They're like specialized they all have a reason yeah yeah they all have a reason they all have a story they all have like a some sort of travel thing behind them or whatever but I would love a pin that's like PCS during a deployment or PCS prep during a deployment or or something like that or like one year deployment or you know if someone wants a three month a six month a nine month or whatever it is like yeah I think that's yeah okay so for anyone who's listening to this who makes stuff hook us up let us know that you're right. going to start this, that you're going to start some pins, some badges. We're going to buy them. <laughs> We're definitely right? going to buy them. <laughs> right? There's so many like creatives out there who are creating like military spouse, like stickers and stuff. We just want you to make badges. That's what we want. Yep. And we can have like a vest or sashes, or we can put them on bags and backpacks. <laughs> like, it'll be great. It'll be so great. It just makes you feel better to know that like, there's some sort of like celebration behind like the hard thing that you did and and getting through the hard thing, apart from just telling everybody in your life that you got through this hard thing. Like it's, it's like if you went to, you know, a male spouse conference or something and you were wearing all of this decoration that, that tells people like what you've been through, I would hope that people wouldn't take that as like, oh, I haven't been through enough. Like that would be my like immediate automatic yeah, go-to right? would be like, oh, I haven't been through enough because I haven't experienced a lot of the quarterstone military life experiences, but that's more because I'm what I call like a late career military spouse. Like, you know, I, I joined this lifestyle so much later in my life than people typically do and way later. And he was 10, 11 years in by the time we met. And that's a, that's a career. That's a whole, yeah. I didn't jump up in ranks or, or, or with him or do this whole <laughs> process. Like there, I didn't ever experience a deployment. His ex-wife had the deployments. So like, this is, there's so much that I don't know. And that I'm still like figuring out. Um, but yeah, I would hope that if we walked into a room and we were all wearing badges, it would feel more like a collective energy of like, wow, there are badasses sitting everywhere in this room. Like this is right. incredible. Stuff Do you just realize as you're saying this, that's like exactly what ribbon racks are. Well, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, as you're saying this, I was like, oh, I'll have this. Like, they're just, they have, they're just on their chest very proudly, right? Like, these are like the ribbon racks. Right. Right. Like, where's ours? Like, are right? we, are we, are military spouses going to get a uniform too now? Like, what, so that we can, like, oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm sure you don't miss wearing a uniform, or do you? Do you know what's so funny is, everyone, not everyone, so many people who are getting out are like so excited to be able to like pick out their own clothes and like wear, you know, their own style and like get dressed every day. I was not interested in that. I was like, I loved waking up and having to use exactly zero brain power, making a decision about what to wear. 
I like had a couple obviously uniforms. So I like washed one where, you know what I mean? Like I just made sure like the laundry was done and that was all I had to do. And when I had to, the first year I was out, um, I did what every good JO does when you get out of the Navy and you move to DC. And I like was a defense contractor for a little while and I, it was not for me. And that's a story for another day, but I had to like get dressed every day. And it was like black pants and heels and like all this. And I was like, I, I got to the point where I was in like almost like a two week rotation where I had like a couple different like shirts and a couple different like sweaters. And I would just kind of like swap them out and anything past like two weeks. I was like, I was a solid outfit repeater. Cause I missed having, that was like kind of like my version of the uniform. Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Crazy. I, I've seen my husband go through the same kind of evolution. Cause like he was an infantry officer. And so like, it was the same every day. Right. And then yep. he became a foreign area officer. So then like working okay. in and out of embassies, it's, you know, it's a business professional attire and he bless him had no idea what he was doing in the beginning. Like, I think he did a really good job, but he had never been in that position in his professional career before where that was a necessity and he had to do it on his own. Like there's nobody out there supporting Theos with like what to wear and what not to wear. There might be like a brief list that's like, don't do this. And they're like super obvious things. Right. He probably got like a PowerPoint that had like three slides on it. Right. And it's like, that's (laughs) it, you know, because the same thing happens for the spouses who are going to these like FAO events. It's like, what the hell do we wear? I still don't get it. I still don't understand it. It's like, because then you go into, okay, well, if you're wearing like a two piece outfit thing, that takes a lot of coordination. Like you're saying, like it has to look right. If you're wearing a dress, what length, what <laughs> are you wearing tights? Right. Are you wearing heels? Are you wearing flats? Like, you know, are you wearing a cardigan? Like, are, is a sleeveless dress appropriate? Like, how do you exactly, especially when you're in foreign countries with like different cultures and yes. customs and uh, like, it's yes. a whole thing. Yeah. Oh, it is a whole yeah. thing. And when we were in Guatemala for a year, that, that was my experience was like, I brought all the wrong clothes, like literally every Americanized outfit you can picture. I still wear them, but like I was wearing them in Latin America, which is like the place where you just really stand out. Like you really stand out. I think in Europe, you can kind of blend because there are so many like Americans running around. Like you, you know, you look obvious, but like, it's not, it's not in the same way. I feel like there's a, there's another level of pressure in Latin America because <laughs> especially in Guatemala, like though, oh man, we were surrounded by like state department people. Cause he was working alongside state department at the embassy. And those women would dress to the nines. Like, I was like, wh- how long do you take to get dressed? Like what is happening oh, here? And then I would show up to the embassy in like the most ridiculous skirt. And this top that, you know, is not really appropriate for the season because it's like humid and hot. It's just, yeah, I did really poorly. I, I did really poorly. So I got to, I got to get it together because now we're going to go overseas <laughs> again. We're, we're going to go overseas again. And I know a little bit more of what to expect and what not to well, do. Well, exactly. Now you do. at least know like what, like what kind of research to do for like that specific country and culture and like that area. So, I mean, and that's all, that's all part of it. Like we're all just making it up as we go. Right. I know. I think that's the part I, I really forget. I really forget that because I, because I entered this lifestyle, like so much, I was 25 when I met him. Like that's, that's like old for some people. Like some people have literally been together since like the beginning of college or even earlier, or, you know, and then they've just like grown up together. And of course that is not every military spouse's experience, but the ones that I was surrounded by, they had, yeah. been, they had already been married for 10 years and we were just getting married. So it's it funny. Was... Cause I feel kind of similar about us. Like I was 25, I think when we like re like met and kind of like started our lives together. Cause like we knew each other in college, but like yeah. when I, when we were, when we kind of like actually like met and started dating, I was 25 and he was 29. Um, and just him being that much like three over three years senior to me, like rank wise, like I kind of, when I got out and we were like riding to his 20 year retirement now, instead of mine, I kind of like sped up like three years. So that was kind of nice, but um, yeah, it was, I, I feel, I understand what you mean. Cause I kind of did the same thing. Like I had like a very foundational understanding of all of it because I was in it myself as well, but I was in the Navy, he's in the Marine Corps. I was a ship driver. He is a helicopter pilot. So there was a lot of 
different stuff that I did have to learn and kind of pick up. And same thing, like some of the, my, my spouse friends have been around since the very beginning and they know like a ton more people and just all the things. So, yeah. Yeah, And they know all the acronyms and they like speak in acronyms and you're like, what is that? Like, can you talk normally? Like, I don't want to speak military language right now. I just want to have a regular conversation and you're, it's almost, it sort of becomes a barrier in a way because it's, it's all about competency and displaying the competency. And then if you're talking to like a personality type who takes competency incredibly seriously, and they do that on display and showcasing, like, here are the acronyms that I know, this is how many years I've done this you know, I'm very seasoned and, you know, here they tell you the badges that we just exactly. talked about, but it's right? done in a very condescending nature. Like who wants to have that conversation? Who wants to be on the receiving end of that conversation? That's not supportive. That doesn't feel like you're letting other people in and guiding them and helping them and understanding that they don't have anything figured out. Just like you didn't have anything figured out back then. Like you started from nothing too. Like exactly. It's just, it's a little bit of a lack of compassion that I, I don't, I did not enjoy. And I don't surround myself with people like that anymore, but I'm sure that when we move, I'm going to need a whole other group of those kinds of military spouses again, who've been doing this for so long and have probably been like foreign area officer spouses for a long time too, which I have not been that like I'm somewhere, somewhere in the middle. Like I have experiences and I have things to share with people, but it's not, I don't know. I just, I wouldn't want to do it from a point of like, look how confident I am. Do you know what I mean? Well, and I think that's true of, I mean, like family cabin grads get a terrible rack because like, they're all like the term is ring knockers where it's like, you just have their ring and knock it and knock it against the table and be like, Oh, look how great I am and whatever. And it's like, it's true of any like male spouses or like specific, you know, like ROTC or college or, uh, you know, academy or like enlisted, you know, different rates and different jobs within like the services. And then it's just like with mass generalities with, you know, civilians as well. Like, Oh, like people who live in this area are terrible drivers and people, you know what I mean? And I think it's true with any large group of people where it's like, you've got one part of one section of the group of people who are just awesome humans that you want to spend time with. And then you've got like the other part of that same group of people who eh, are not the best. And you're just like, no, thank you. And like mill spouses in general are not exempt from that, right? You've got like the ones who are like, you're my people, you're great, we can be friends. And then you've got the other ones who are like, eh, you're not really my jam. I think I'm just going to kind of hang out over here. And it, it, it's it's right. rough when you move so often and you have to like re-figure that out, right? Like you meet the people. And then after a couple minutes, you're like, hmm, you're probably not my person, but you over here are. And it's hard when you go through that over and over and over again. I do think that the more you do it, the quicker you can pick them out, which is helpful. Oh yeah. But you become that's a spotter, just, right? Yeah. You become a spotter. <laughs> and I, I think, well, I hope, I hope that I have that same capability now. Cause I've, I've been through that at a few different stations, but what you said brought to mind too, that like, that's so much harder when you're overseas and you're experiencing culture shock. You don't know where to get anything. You have to like restructure your entire life. You're probably learning another language. You're speaking to a lot of people who speak that language natively. And so you're trying to catch up and you're trying to learn. And so there's this pressure to find people and you probably find the wrong people who don't make sense for you and for your personality type and what you truly need. But it's hard to see the alternative because you're like, but then I'll be alone. And then I'll feel isolated. And then this whole experience is just like tanked because I don't know who to spend my time with. So if you're out there and that's happened to you, like I I feel for you because it's, it is tough. It is tough to like find the people and then to feel like, oh, well, there's only like a small group of people. So like, are any of them viable? Are any of them viable friends? (laughs) Like, I'm not sure. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a thing. It's a thing that happens. And I mean, yeah, I just hope that someday we can get to a point where there's just like less and less of those military spouses who, um, who like to kind of like do the like puff chest thing. And like, I'm so confident, like confident. I know what I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. Like less of those and more of like compassionate, empathetic people who are like, Hey, are you struggling? I'm struggling too. Let's get through this together. Let's right. each other's accountability buddy, or let's go grab coffee, or let's just vent to each other because it makes us feel better. And we can't do that with our spouses right now. 
or whatever it may be. Like, I just want yep. more of that. <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. So. Exactly. I agree. Okay. I think part of that too, sometimes with like the puffing chest is, I mean, and it could be any number of things, right. For like each individual, individual person, but I think it probably comes from a little bit of like feeling that isolation or feeling like mm. less, less comp it's almost like overcompensating. Right. And it could, it right. that is not always true for everybody. Right. But I do, it is funny because mm. I find the more I can, um, just kind of like assume they're having a bad day or just like, not even just with this specific person, just kind of like in general, right. Like if somebody cuts me off or whatever, uh, you know, when I'm driving or whatever, the more that I can like assume they're having a bad day and I'm like, and kind of like lower my defenses instead of like coming out like guns a blazing, regardless of what they're doing. It's like, I feel better ultimately, which I'm like, I can't control that person, but I can, I can control like how I'm thinking about it. So how and creating like the experience for me. And that has trying to think of like the right word that's it it just it just like allows me to just be a little bit calmer and like less like there's so much in this life that is completely out of our control and it can it's so it can be so overwhelming and so stressful if we allow it to be but so so taking kind of like picking that low-hanging fruit and not letting like other people spin me up as much and all that like it just it it lets my nervous system like breathe you know so I'm not all like diffuses it crazy thank you thank you yeah that is the word that I needed (laughs) right and I think yeah. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to recall these instances where I did feel like, oh, maybe I need to, you know, be a little bit more defensive or like, oh, what can I, <laughs> you know, and yeah. my tendency, especially when I'm on the receiving end of that kind of spouse is actually just to shut down and to not engage anymore. And I think part of what they're looking for is, is for someone else to challenge them. And when you don't challenge them, like they've, they're like, oh, well then what were we like? I thought that's what we were doing here. Like, I thought that's what we were right? doing in this conversation. Yeah. And it's like, no, no, no. If you're trying to challenge, like my, if you're trying to challenge me, I'm either immediately fired up and reactive or I completely am like, no, I don't. Yeah, I exactly. And you just like, you just like put down the rope and you just walk away. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, how, how productive was that interaction? <laughs> you know, like, what, right. what are we going to, what are we going to do about that? I'm not really sure, but Right. Yeah. This, this goes, this goes into a lot of like personality types and stuff too. So absolutely. Um, I don't know if you know, but I'm like super into the Enneagram and I'm becoming a certified coach. And like, I use it a lot in my work with other military spouses and for myself, awesome. like as a tool for myself. And I know that as an Enneagram four, I will become reactive. Like if, if someone is trying to poke like to poke me, my tendency is to become reactive and to become like emotionally passionate, I would say. <laughs> and maybe it's a very sassy. well put. Yeah. And maybe a little sassy <laughs> and maybe just a little bit more like heightened, you know, and mm-hmm. it becomes so much harder for me to like control, um, to control what I say when that happens. And so it's, it's weird when I do get to a place where I'm actually shutting down because that's the opposite of what that's actually not a good thing to do either. Like, you right. know, yeah. It's you like, that's like two like, very extremes. You want to kind of right. find it. It's, it's just yeah. complete. It's on completely different spectrums. And I'm like, okay, I want to get somewhere in the middle where I'm still engaging with those people, but I'm not letting them affect me. Like I'm not letting yeah. them let my blood boil. And I'm not, I'm not doing any of that. It's just more like calm and like, okay, this person is probably having a bad day. This person feels really comfortable with displaying competency. It does not reflect my own <laughs> set of competency. It's okay. Like <laughs> exact, but exactly. But like, yeah. that's the whole thing. Right. And like, that's like a lot of the work that I do with my clients is just like separating one, like staying in our own lanes, like staying in our own heads. And then like what's going on over here that we don't have any control. Like as much as we love to think that we can control other humans, like we can, right? Like I've tried to control my very small kids and like, it ultimately doesn't go really well. You know what I mean? (laughs) So, um, just, yeah, being able to like separate that out and like, remember that what she's doing or what he's doing or like what's going on over here doesn't actually have anything to do with me. Like that's just the experience we're having right now. And then that is so powerful to be able to like find that happy medium, right. Where you don't completely shut down, but you're also not like ready to punch somebody. Cause I can relate to that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, but the, the first step is building self-awareness around that. Like I exactly, didn't know exactly. that that was my style of communication, um, necessarily until 
like the Enneagram kind of gave me language and like lexicon surrounding that. And I found that really helpful because I was like, oh, that's yeah. the first step is just recognizing exactly. that, yes, I have the propensity to do this. Um, or I have the propensity to swing in the complete opposite direction and completely shut down. And like, exactly. it's a, it's a full shutdown, Kayla. It's not like, oh, I just, okay, I'm going to walk away. It's like literally my entire body just, I can't process what's happening anymore. My face becomes slack. I'm like, like my gut drops down to my butt. Wow. Like it's, it's, yeah. whew. so I see that in myself now. And so when we talk about having these conversations with other military spouses who, um, you know, may like trigger us and, you know, and, and the interaction isn't going so well, like they probably think the interaction is going great. Right. They think exactly. it's awesome. Right. Yep. Like <laughs> they're like, oh yeah, this is cool. I'm vibing. Like I'm, I'm telling them all the things that I know, this is what they want from me. And so I'm going to exactly. provide that to them. It's exactly. like, no, I didn't, I didn't want that. I wanted how you're a human and how you're imperfect. That's what I wanted from you. That's, but again, goes back to, goes back to different personalities and like how we interact with each other and absolutely knowing, knowing your own triggers. Um, absolutely. do you know anything about like your personality assessments, different things, Enneagram? I, nine? so I think I'm an Enneagram eight. I is it, is it a quiz? Is it like a test? I feel like I took the test like a while ago. Um, and I'm pretty sure I'm an eight and I like wanted, I read through it I, and I was like, oh yeah, no, I can see like it, a lot of it made sense and I could see myself in it very much. And my, um, like desire was to like go full board, like down the rabbit hole and like learn everything and like figure it all out. And it was, I feel like it was like right around the time we moved it was like in between, like when we moved and when I had my baby, like I was super pregnant. We're like trying to unpack the house. And I probably was like, Kayla, we don't have time for this right now. <laughs> right? Yeah, like, like not right This now. is not the time. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was like this summer. Um, and so it's like, it's one of those things that's like in the back of my mind and I want to learn a lot more about it, but I like intentionally like did not allow myself to go down the rabbit hole because I'm one of those people yeah. who like wants to learn every like part of it. And I was like, this is not where I need to put my attention right now. Like yeah. I need to like get the house unpacked so we can like have a baby. <laughs> Isn't that so, so I'm funny, pretty cause... sure I'm an eight. I would have to like do the assessment again yeah. to make sure I'm remembering correctly. Um, but yeah, when I like read the synopsis or whatever, like the, I was like, yeah, no, that makes sense. I can, I can totally yeah. see this yeah. being true. Yeah. And that's, that's so funny that you say that. Cause some people can take those tests and it's really clear. It's like, oh yeah, that's accurate. That's real. That's a real thing. Most people, that's not what happens. They, they take oh, really? some free random ass quiz online and it gives them very like weird results. And then it, it causes them to question the validity of the Enneagram as an institution altogether because oh, it's that's right. so interesting. But I, I don't, I'm not really a proponent of taking like quizzes for the Enneagram or like IEQ nine has their own assessment. I think that's really helpful once you already know your type, because then it goes so far beyond type and it goes underneath all these layers, but okay. like, yeah, taking a quiz to find your Enneagram is just not, I don't ever find it to be successful ever, like ever. I mistyped myself by doing that. And I know so many people who have done it too. How do so, you do it then? Like, how do you find out? Yeah. So just reading and like following other Enneagram coaches, having conversations oh, okay. with people, listening to podcasts, like understanding how the nine types are different and how they're similar um, and figuring out who you are and where you fall between those nine types is usually like bodes so much more results than, than so trying to quiz yourself. Okay. Um, but that's so funny that you said that. Cause I was like, in this conversation, I was already thinking, I was like, well, Kayla's either a head type or she's an eight. So <laughs> that's so funny. Oh my God. That's so funny. Well then good. I'm glad I'm remembering correctly because I feel like yeah. I can't push my brain for anything anymore. Um, yeah, I, I don't remember. It had stuff. to have been, yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. And it's, it's funny because when I, when I like, it was some, it wasn't like, like a Buzzfeed quiz or something like what I, I remember, like whatever I was looking at, it seemed like pretty like legitimate. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and it was, yeah, it was definitely like, I definitely did some sort of like, you know, question thing. Um, but yeah. anyway, it, um, my, that was my like in the initial reaction or like my initial, like, okay, like now I'm going to go like find like a hundred Instagram accounts to follow. And I'm going to like, like find a bunch of podcasts to do. Oh, and I need right, to like read right, every right, single right. website. And I finally was like, no, 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 nope. 
we need to stop the madness because I have yeah. like very pressing things that I need to do right now. Um, yeah. So yeah. Well, if I I'm may. very interested in it, but I'm trying to not okay. like, I'm trying to constrain. <laughs> okay, great. Well, no, I, I appreciate that. Cause I'm also a rabbit hole person and this happened for me with the Enneagram, but it didn't happen on the first, the first try. It was like the third try. And then I was like, okay. oh, I'm super into this and I'm going to learn literally everything there is to learn. Um, but awesome. if I may, I could be that resource for you to help you determine like first your type and then how to use it. If you'd like to, um, I can send you some stuff and I don't know. I just think it's really helpful for anybody really, because it, it is a personal development framework. And I think that's the part that people miss because they just want to know what type they are and then never move beyond that. And that is a phase that is like phase one of the Enneagram is figuring out right. your type, learning about yourself, you know, or maybe just reinforcing like the things that aren't so great about yourself and like, right. or, or like ignoring the weaknesses and only focusing on the strengths. Like people go through that phase, but then what's beyond that is like, no, this is a tool. This is a personal development tool. It's literally giving exactly. you a growth path based on your personality type. So it's not a, right. it's not a, you know, personal development prescription that may exist out there that was concocted by threes, sevens, and eights. And then like when fours, twos, and ones try to apply the same system, they're like, why isn't this working for me? It's because right. it was created by a completely opposing Enneagram type than yours. <laughs> so, and, and like their level of productivity is going to be so much different than how you face productivity and what productivity means to you and, and what goal setting and goal achieving means to you. It's just, yeah, there's just, there's just so much that goes, that goes into that. But I just think that's hilarious that you're like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm an eight and I'm like, clocked it. I'm pretty sure that's what <laughs> clocked it. Oh my God. I love that. Um, yeah. And I think everything you just said about just having it be like a tool to like dive deeper and like be able to just like, I think it is probably really great for awareness and, um, you know, like building like what you need and like where you can work on and, and that sort right. of thing, because, and then I get that a lot. That's exactly, that's very similar to like the method methodology and the tools that I use with my clients too, is, it's less about like telling you exactly what to do, but more of just, I mean, like you said earlier, like awareness is always the first, the first piece, right? So when you can see that and you can really um, kind of like open up and like start to see your blind spots, um, then you're just, the, the possibilities are endless, right? And I think that's why I'm so interested in it is because I love my specific modality and tools that I use. It's very effective for myself and my clients, but I'm always interested to learn about other ways because not everybody relates and can, um, like every, like people need to hear things in different ways, right? Like not every single oh, right, thing right. is going to be relatable for every single person. So the more awareness I have and the more stuff that I can learn and the more tools that I can, you know, have to be able to hit, like relate to my clients where they need it at the time that they need it is it's mm -hmm. just when wins all around, right? Everybody wins at that point. So no, I totally, I totally agree. Yeah. I, and I, I mean, I'm so interested to know like what, what other modalities you're using and all that. Um, but I think we need to close up shop because hi, we've been talking for a while. Um, so let us know, let, let the listeners know where they can find you online on Instagram, social media, et cetera. And then if you have anything to offer them as well. Absolutely. Um, so my Instagram and Facebook handles are Kayla M J Lyon, K-A-Y-L-A-M-J-L-Y-O-N. Um, and my website is KaylaLyon.com. No S on the end. People make that mistake a lot. It's K-A-Y-L-A-L-Y-O-N.com. Um, I'm the most active on Instagram. Um, and I love like, if you have any questions or you want to just kind of learn more, or you're just going through it and you want somebody to talk to, like reach out to me DM. Um, you can, you know, send me an email for my website because this is, I'm very passionate about this work. I can talk to you for hours and hours and hours and specifically with the mill spouse community. Like I'm very invested, you know, I put my uniform on for the first time when I was 17 and it's been my, my whole life. So I'm, it's very important to me. So, um, yeah, if anybody has any questions or anything, um, or is just in it and needs some help, please reach out. And um, if you go to my website, you can schedule a free 60 minute consultation, just to kind of figure out where you are and, and what you need and how I can help. So, um, yeah. Thank you so much, Kayla. And I'll include absolutely all stuff in the show notes for anybody listening to, you don't need to remember exactly what she said. All the links will be there. 
Thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate you hopping on and just having a candid conversation. I know we kind of covered, we covered deployment, we covered PCS, we covered dual military, we covered like veteran turned spouse. Yeah. I mean, wow. And the Enneagram. So we, we went there. <laughs> we did. I think we had like pretty much everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what else is left? What else? Oh, right. Pregnancy co- yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. So many things. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. And I'll be seeing you around. (laughs) Absolutely. Awesome. Have a great rest of your weekend. You too. Bye. Thanks. Stay tuned for more on the Heart of a Mill Spouse podcast regarding what it's like to prepare for a PCS timeline on top of deployment. At the time Kayla and I recorded, many, many updates have come through on my side and I'm excited to share them with you. So head on over to Instagram at mill.spouse to get the full update. And as always, if you'd like to rate and review this show on either Spotify or on Apple. I would super appreciate it. Thanks y'all. See you soon.